How is everybody? Did you have a good Christmas? I heard an eh out there. Eh? Me. Was that Sarah? That was not Sarah. I don't know. I thought the meep was you. My name's Mike. If you don't know who I am, welcome. Today, it, uh, just so you know, I have to put this out there because, you know, dad jokes. Today is the last church service, the last sermon you're going to hear all year. Had to get it out of the way. I'm sorry. We won't have church again for a whole year. Okay, so uh, Christmas, I heard some miss. Uh, our Christmas was like action packed. We have small children, so you know, that's awesome. Um, and last year, uh, the girls kept asking for an elf on the shelf. Some of you know what that is. And me and Cassie were like, no, you're not getting an elf on the shelf. It's not happening. We are not going to have one of those in our house. So naturally, my dad bought them an elf on the shelf last year for Christmas. And so this year, we got to um, play with winter. Right? Where's Blythe at? Is she out here? She's in the back? Okay. We got to play with, with winter. And um, they are, my children named our elf winter. Um, and, and so, uh, she showed up on a weekend where they weren't in town and she bought the Christmas tree for us. Um, and I keep saying that because they might listen to this. Um, but, uh, so we got to play. Did you know they make clothing and pets for the elf on the shelf? I, I was unaware of this. Um, so our, our elf, naturally, since we said we weren't going to get one and we didn't want one in our house, naturally, since my dad bought one, I bought outfits for it. <laughs> so our elf became a super elf. It's got a shield and a cape. Yeah, it's fantastic. And she spent some time playing around with our girls. It was great. Um, it was really interesting trying to figure out stuff. Cassie's got a whole folder of ideas for next year with things. I saw one real quick. I saw one. It was a Thanos figure standing like this. And there was a candy cane chopped up and powdered in the outline of an elf. It made me want to go buy a Thanos action figure just to recreate that. Just saying. See, but Christmas is a lot of fun for some people. Christmas is not a lot of fun for other people. Um, it's, it's a, it's a time of stress. And I'll admit, I get stressed out during Christmas trying to figure out our schedule and what we're doing. And the girls and Cassie have the days off and I don't, except this year work gave me Christmas Eve off, which was weird. And they're also giving me tomorrow off, not with pay, but they're giving me the day off. Um, and that's weird. So I have two four-day weekends, so I only worked three days last week, and it felt like I worked a month. Oh my gosh. So boring. But Christmas is like stressful. Even when you're enjoying it, it's stressful. Trying to find the perfect present, right? Um, does it feel rushed to you guys? Do you feel like we're just trying to get through the holiday instead of enjoying the holiday? Am I, am I the only one? I'm the only one that feels that way, I think. Here's some things about America and Christmas that I did not realize. Did you realize that in 2015, an estimated $70 billion in gifts were returned after Christmas? $70 billion. That's a B. That's a lot of money. 
Last year, Americans alone left over $1 billion in gift cards unused. Who does that? I I know there's some people here, you're like, I have a gift card in my wallet right now from like two years ago I never used. I'm sorry, Mike. Not this guy. You give me a gift card, I'm trying to figure out how to use it that day. I got a gift card for $50 to Amazon for Christmas. Little backstory, my Pittsburgh Steelers have to win today, and the Browns have to beat the Ravens for the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl. I found a Baker Mayfield jersey, who's the quarterback for the Browns, on sale for $48 on Amazon. I almost bought it to preach in it today. Because I had $50 on a gift card that I could just blow, and I I can't get in trouble for it because I can't spend it any other way. Right? But then I just thought about the burning and the itching of wearing a Browns jersey. And it's just, no, can't do it. But <laughs> some people here don't spend their gift cards, right? I, I don't understand that. It's free money. Go out to dinner. Um, did you know that it's estimated between Thanksgiving and Christmas, Americans generate 25 million more tons of trash than they normally do? It's a lot of trash. All because we're trying to celebrate the holiday. We're trying to get through the holiday. We want to find that perfect gift. We're we're rushing through these things instead of really just stopping and relaxing. Uh, the, The title for today's sermon is New Year, New You. And you guys have all heard that. In fact, Tim found this graphic off of a Muslim website talking about how we just end Christmas and forget all about it. December 26th, the tree comes down, the lights come down, unless you live at my house and you're lucky if they come down before March. I really like Christmas lights. But we just rush through Christmas. And maybe that song should say, it's the most wasteful time of the year. Because really, we're doing all this stuff. We've had to talk to our parents, specifically my mom, about what she gets us for Christmas. Because, and and bless her heart, she wants everybody to have the same amount. She wants it to be fair. I usually only ask for one thing, and I didn't even ask for it. We, all of us, my siblings and our spouses, all said we don't want anything because they're, they're kind of financially strapped right now. We don't want anything. So we each got two or three presents. But she used to always want to make sure she spent the same money on everybody. So after everybody got the one thing they asked for, they had to even out price-wise. So we got all this interesting items that were unnecessary. I still have stuff that I got last year for Christmas that's still wrapped. The girls keep saying, Daddy, when are we going to build that camera that Grandma got you last year? I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. I, I un- She got me coloring book and pencils last year as a stocking stuffer that I only got out in October when my dad was in the hospital and I needed something to do while I was sitting next to him. I'm like, we're, we're trying to celebrate this season. We want to make everybody happy, but it's it's just stuff. And then we look, we, December 26th happens and we're looking forward to New Year's. Right? The next big holiday and the next big thing. And we forget all about Christmas. We forget that Christmas is more about new beginnings, maybe even more than New Year's. 
Because we had the Christ, the God child showed up. He's starting something new. So today I want to talk about how can we have this, this newness that Christmas brings and not forget about it on December 26th or December 30th or January 1st or February 8th or insert date here that's not Christmas. So how can we have this fresh start, this newness? And how can God help us do that? The first verse on your your notes, there's notes in your bulletin if you got one. Um, it's Philippians 1, 3-6. Paul here says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's something new happening. That word began... In you, it hasn't always been happening. There's something new. Jesus is bringing something new to us. So how can God, how can God help me start fresh? How can God bring something new into my life? Well, today, hopefully it's going to be short and sweet for you guys, because I know everybody's recovering from Christmas. I had a food hangover. Did anybody else have a food hangover? Oh my gosh, our families went all out. So I, I know it's going to be really hard to focus. You have all those, all that ham in you. Just at least it's not turkey, right? So you're going to wake up. <laughs> so how can God help me start fresh this year? Because everybody's got a New Year's resolution, right? Everybody does. I mean. The popular one is dieting, not that any of you need to. I, I am personally going to work on my physique because even though this is what true masculinity looks like, I might need to lose a little bit, you know, get really close to that 300 mark and I don't want to, mm, no. Um, and, and maybe, maybe it's not just diet. Maybe you, you're being more serious than I am. Maybe you're, maybe you're like, I need to refocus on God. Or I need to be a better husband or a better wife. Or I need to be a better child. Or I need to get grades better than C's. Or uh, college students too. Or I want to work for a promotion at work. Maybe you have something like that. But God wants something deeper than all of these dieting and look and appearance. He wants something in your heart. He wants a, a new start in your heart. So how can God help me start fresh this new year? Well, well, God will help me start fresh this new year when, one, I seek Him first. If you want a fresh start with God, step one is I seek Him first. Matthew 6.33 It actually says this. Did you know the Bible says to seek God first? It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. The NIV says, seek first the kingdom of God. I really like the NLT here and says, and live righteously. If you want to start fresh with God, you have to actually 
develop a relationship with Him. You actually have to seek Him out. If we look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, we're really close to Christmas. I want to talk a lot about Christmas today. It says, And so they left. On their way, they saw the same star they had seen in the east. They happened to be the wise men. When they saw it, how happy they were. What joy was theirs. It went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They went into the house. And when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshipped him. They brought out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and presented them to him. We find the wise men, and we don't know how many there were, we find the wise men sought the Godchild. It, and it wasn't like, um, we live in Bethalto, it wasn't like we just drove from Bethalto to here to seek Jesus, right? Um, they drove their camels a long way. It says men from the east. That doesn't actually explain what the east is, it's just east. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I I've read into this. I, I I've read a bunch of different people. Not everybody agrees, but some people believe that these wise men came from a school started by the prophet Daniel in Babylon, and that's how they knew about it. So if they're driving, they're from the east. Okay, so it's it's a long way, and they don't have motorized vehicles. I mean, I've ridden a horse. It's not the most comfortable thing. I've never ridden camel, but I cannot imagine riding for more than a couple of hours on an animal and being happy about it. These guys, they, they traveled to, to seek out God. You know, it, it really sounds cliche, it really sounds cliche, but wise men still seek God. You guys can be wise men, not wise guys, wise men or women, and politically correct, I know. You guys can still seek God. You can still be wise in your life and seek out the Lord. Um, I don't know about you, but there are, I have a ritual in the morning. What's the first thing you guys remember doing in the morning? I say remember because you can ask my wife, I don't wake up. Um, my alarm goes off usually about 5.30. Next thing I know, I'm at work. I'm conscious enough to sometimes grab my lunch out of the refrigerator and drive a motorized vehicle from Bethalto to Alton. I haven't crashed yet, and I haven't gotten lost yet. Um, I've always been on time. And I get to work. I walk through the front door. People say good morning to me. And I haven't met Jesus yet that day. So it's... Set my stuff on my desk. Go in my break room. Turn on the Keurig. Because I have one of those. Because I'm tired of feeding everybody my coffee. I go back to my desk. I get my toolbox that is up out of the reach of everybody else. I pull it down. I open it. I take the insides out. I reach down in. I grab my coffee. Put it all back together. Put it back on the shelf. I walk into the into the break room. I fill up my Keurig. I, I pull my creamer into my cup. I hit start. I go back. I put my coffee back in my toolbox. Put all the stuff back on top of it. Close it. Lock it. Put it back on my shelf. I go back into the break room. 
I grab my cup of coffee, I go back to my desk, I set it down, which they took away my sit-down desk, I only have a stand-up desk now, so I'm standing there, put my phone down, turn on the Bible, start my devotional, drink my coffee. It is now 6.10 in the morning, and I'm finally waking up. Finish my coffee, finish my time with God, I can start my day. The guys that work with me will tell you, if I don't do that, you don't want to talk to Mike. Because Mike is a bear if he doesn't do that. The guys will say good morning, and they don't expect me to say anything until I'm done with that. I'm not saying that's good. I'm confessing here. I'm just being honest. If I don't have coffee with the Creator, I am shooting myself in my foot. It is really stupid easy to spend time with God in our day of life. Right here. Right here. This. Most of you are at least in arm's length of something similar to this. Similar. This is, this is a note five. It's getting older. I love this. My wife one day showed up, got home, and she gave me an envelope and said, here, Go buy a new phone. And I went, what? Happy Father's Day. Awesome. Because my phone wouldn't stay on. Like, it would turn off in the middle of a phone call. It was awesome. And I went to the store and I bought this. It's beautiful. It came with Word and Excel and PowerPoint. And I downloaded version, and I can take notes and I can read my Bible. And I can make phone calls. But who makes phone calls on these anymore? Most of you are within arm's length of one of these. Right here. I don't want you to see my password. (laughs) Right here, I have a folder that says Bible. And there's Bible for kids, and there's Bible. I prefer you version. Some of you have Study Light. Some of you have... What's the other one? Bible Gateway. I prefer you version. It's a free app. You click on it. It brings this up. It says you version. Some of you can't see that. <laughs> I'm getting a text message. Sorry. And then right here, I know you all can't see this. Download it on your phone. Right here, this check mark, that is where you can save Bible reading plans. And if you click on it, it will even let you have an alarm go off. I'm not trying to sound pandering or catering or talking down to you guys. I'm just, I learned this, okay? I had to force myself to do this. You can ask my wife. At one point in in my spiritual walk, there was post-it notes everywhere in our house because I wanted to put God first. So there was a post-it note on my PS2 at the time. Don't play this until you've read your scripture. There was a note in the kitchen that said, don't make breakfast until you've opened your Bible. There was a note on our mirror that says you don't need to look here. You need to look in the Word. There was post-it notes everywhere. This is so much easier than post-it notes. So much easier. It even keeps track of how many days consistently you've been in God's Scripture. So you know. Like, even if you're like, I don't know if I've read today. You can go to the app and they're like, yeah, you're read today. But if you don't remember it, you might want to go back and read it again. Which I've had to do multiple times. It's really easy to seek God first. We just got to grow up 
and avoid the distractions. I say we, I mean me. I had to grow up and avoid the distractions. I had to learn to look past it. You see, um, really funny story. We took the youth group, um, we were out to, um, oh, Mike, where, is that Bloomington where we saw the guy draw on the chalk? Yeah, we were in Bloomington, Indiana. And this guy, I can't even remember the guy's name. Do you remember the guy's name? Okay. He was, he was really good. He had a powerful lesson. He drew on this black stretched bed sheet with chalk and he was just drawing and we're like, this is really cool. And then he pressed a button and a projector turned on and he had drawn a mountain and he had created a cartoon of a mountain climber going up the mountain. It was really cool. And he had this really good lesson that went with it. And he talked about how his ADD and it's not a curse. It's a blessing because God has blessed him with this. He can see things in the room that God is leading him to. And I was like, Oh, that's really funny. And he's like, and if you were listening and you were trying to figure out what songs were playing, you have ADD too. I'm like, no, I don't have ADD. I only got, I missed one of them. It's a really funny story because we went up and talked to him and I'm like, I told him all the songs that were playing them, but I couldn't remember the one. He goes, oh, it was the theme from Master Commander. Never saw it. That's why I don't know it. But we get home, and, and I'm telling my mom this story. And she's like, oh, but you do have ADD. I went, what? <laughs> she's like, we were too poor to buy the medicine, so we just trained you how to deal with it. Your brother, too. Why do you think we kicked you outside and locked the door and told you to run? Side note, if you're ever, if you ever pull up to our house and Kara is running laps around our house, you know why. <laughs> See, I have problems focusing and, so, and I've had to train myself to learn how to focus, to learn how to look at something. And sometimes that gets me into trouble now too because I'm hyper focused and I don't hear the things going on around me. But, we need to train ourselves to be students of God's Word and, and to seek out a relationship with Him. It's not just reading His Scripture. It's spending time with His people because God speaks to me loudly, loudly through His people and through His Word and through His Spirit. There's so many ways to seek God. version and Bible Gateway and StudyLight.org, they're just a few tools that God has used to, to help me. Who has provi- He's provided these tools for all of us. You can get on the church's website, greateraltonchurch.org, and there's a sermon archive. You can listen to old sermons. It's great. We can seek God so many different ways. My question to you guys is what are you seeking first? Because we can be seeking God, but He could be second or third. God wants to help you have a fresh start this new year. This Christmas, God wants you to have a fresh start. But you gotta seek Him first. There's, there's an order of things. My life works so much better when God is first above all else. And then there's an order of things after that. Cassie would be second. My daughters would be third. Sorry, the rest of you. You're, you're not second or third. But when your life's priorities line up, your life is going to work so much better. I speak from experience. The second thing, God wants me to have a fresh start and He'll help me have a fresh start when I serve Him. 
when I serve Him. Deuteronomy 11.13 in the Good News Translation. So then, obey the commands that I have given you today. Love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And then again in Matthew 2, one, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We can have a fresh start when we serve God. The wise men sought Christ so they could worship him, so they could serve him. They brought him stuff, things, expensive things to a poor child. If you don't think that's serving, look at it again. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh to poor people. That's like, we're taken care of. They didn't have to worry about money for a little while. Because the wise men served the God child. They served their Lord and Savior. There's a few things about serving you need to know. First, serving my Savior will cost me something. It costs the wise men time and a lot of money. But I bet if we could go back in time and ask them, was it, was it a negative experience? They're going to tell you no. I bet if we went back, they'd be excited to tell you about what they did for their Savior. Have you ever met somebody who's serving God and like really wholeheartedly serving God and they're grumpy about it? I've met people who are serving God and are grumpy about it, but I don't think their whole heart was in it. Oh my gosh, I, I got to... I got to speak to a, um, the, the leader of the FCA, the Federation of Christian Athletes, in Bunker Hill. And I've never met this man. Um, a, a little PSA, Saturday, January 5th, in Bunker Hill, is a youth conference for high schoolers. If the children have not told you and you haven't seen it on Facebook, it's free. Uh, there's a website on the Greater Alton Church for Youth and Family page with a website. You can sign up for it. We're going. It's going to be fun. We're meeting with a bunch of different churches in the area. And, and this guy called me and was like, hey, we're reaching out to churches in the area. And I got your number from a guy you met. And um, he, he said, I need to give you a call. I'm like, we've been praying about meeting other church youth groups and building connections. And this is just amazing. And he said, well, let me tell you a little bit about my story. And he got to tell me his, his life a little bit and what he does. And then I got to share my life with him. And we're both like... I'm sitting by our fireplace in our kitchen, and, and Cassie will attest to this, that I just kept getting louder and louder and louder because I was getting more and more excited of talking about how I serve Christ and listening to this man who I never met. I've only talked via email and telephone about serving Christ, and we're just really excited. And the first thing he told me is he goes, I just really love Jesus, and I love telling people about what he has done in my life. I have never met this man, and I was so excited excited about his excitement of serving God. 
If you want a new start, you got to serve God and it's going to cost you something. It, it costs time and money for me and, and patience. And, and I have a few gray hairs from some of these kids over here, um, mostly my own children. But, um, you know, it's, it's <sighs> true service costs something. And if you want a fresh start, you got to be able to, you got to be willing to pay that price. And it's so worth it. It is so worth serving God. What you receive in return, and mind you, we don't serve God because we get something, because we're going to get something. We serve God because He has served us first and we've already received it. What we've received is way more than what we could ever give. Way more. So it's going to cost me something. In Luke 2, verse 8, it says, There were some shepherds in that part of the country who were spending the night in the fields, taking care of their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone over them. They were terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I'm here with good news for you which will bring great joy to all the people. This very day in David's town, your Savior was born, Christ the Lord. And this is what will prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great army of heaven's angels appeared with the angel, singing praises to God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and saw the baby lying in the manger. When the shepherds saw him, they told them what the angel had said about the child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Mary remembered all these things and thought deeply about them. The shepherds went back, singing praises to God for all they had heard and seen. It had been just as the angel had told them. You remember high school? Some of you, it wasn't that long ago. Some of you, it was a little further back. Do you remember... I think this is a universal thing, that in high school, there are groups of people... The names of them have changed throughout the years. When I was in high school, there was the skaters. Some people would call them greasers. I don't know many other terms. I don't know what they call them now. There was the jocks. I don't think that name's changed. There were the art kids. They usually had a particular aroma about them. I could say that because I was an art kid. Don't even... Don't even. And there was the the nerds, the brains, the chess club. I don't know what you guys called it. And even though there's all these groups, there's still another group of just everybody that didn't fit in a group, right? Huh? The band kids? <laughs> that was... The... <laughs> oh, were you a band kid, Sarah? <laughs> So you have all these groups, and I was one of the kids that didn't fit in any group, but I wasn't a band kid. I fit in all the groups. Somehow I managed to be in every single group. It was weird. But imagine whatever group it was that was looked down upon the most in your high school. 
So I don't know for you what that is, but that group of people, imagine them running up to the varsity cheerleading squad to tell them how excited they were about something they had just found. It's probably not going to end very well for them, right? Unless the varsity cheerleading squad just happens to be very nice. And then my whole analogy breaks down. But it's a caste system is what it is. And pretty much the lowest rung of the ladder is just going right up to the top because they're really excited about something. And they're telling them, and I can see a few of the girls in our school just looking down their noses at these kids. And how awkward that was. How awkward that is. That's what's happening here. Shepherds are the lowest of the low. They, they smell. They're around sheep. Have you ever been around sheep? Especially wet sheep. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wet sheep. You can't even toss that wool in the dryer. It's just there. Ooh, ooh. And the armies of heaven show up to them to proclaim the birth of our Savior. And these guys are so excited that they run into town. What? Shepherds don't go into town. Shepherds stay out there. That's where they belong. They ran into town and they're telling, they're singing the praises of God because of what He has done. This new start, this fresh start that they have. Serving my Savior is going to move me out of my comfort zone. It's going to move me far away from comfort. Can I... A little insight. This isn't comfortable. <laughs> this, this, this is not comfortable. There are things that... There are conversations I have to have that aren't comfortable. But... I have to have them because I'm serving my Savior. Serving God is going to move you far away from comfort. There's a, a minister named Patrick Mead. A bunch of you know him. He was here many moons ago. And he did a lesson called No More Samaritans. I don't know if it's on the website. It's very long ago. I have it on digital somewhere. You can probably just go to Google or YouTube, type Patrick Mead, No More Samaritans, and something will pop up. But in it, he talks about groups of people that he looks down on. I have them too. There are groups of people that I have a hard time loving. And he talks about how God points out to them. The story of the Good Samaritan, you, you all know why that's really important. Because Samaritan is looked down upon by the Jews. And that's a huge big deal. In the book of John, Jesus, the first person he reveals his Messiahship, reveals that he's the Messiah to, is a Samaritan woman who is literally the worst person on the planet. If you really look into it, I can tell you about that later. But Jesus breaks down all of these groups and these barriers. He makes His disciples move out of their comfort zone. And Patrick Mead talks about how there's Samaritans in his life, the people he would normally look down upon. And he has to move away from comfort to share Jesus with them, to share Jesus' love with them. There are people in my life that I have to move away from comfort to share my love with. Just being out there. There are people I have a hard time loving. And right now, you are thinking of somebody, don't look at them, that you are having a hard time loving. Jesus wants you to move away from your comfort zone because He's called us to love everyone. 
Not like, there's a difference, but love everyone. No more Samaritans. Or some of you might like dirty people or annoying people or fill in adjective people. No more Samaritans. We need to move away from our comfort zone because serving God is going to move us away from our comfort zone. I guess my question for you is, are there any Samaritans in your life that you need to love? God will help me have a fresh start this new year when I, last thing, I surrender to Him. That there is like a four-letter word. I know it's a lot more, but that's, that's a tough word right there. Surrender? Mike, that's so negative. Luke 14, verse 25 says, A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Can I let you know, when Jesus says these words, He's not just talking to people who don't believe in Him. Daily. Daily I have to pick up my cross and carry it. I have to surrender my life. Daily. It's not a one-time event that happens at baptism. Baptism is a beginning. It is a new beginning. Surrender is constant. Every morning... I ask God to guide me. Doesn't mean I always get out of the way and let Him. I, I misstep, right? But every morning I try to ask God to guide me and I try to let Him. And every evening, even if I'm by myself somewhere, I pray for guidance for my wife and children. I'm constantly trying to surrender to Him. Constantly. And like I said, I'm not perfect. There are times when I don't. And when I don't, I get into trouble. If I want this fresh start, this newness that God can bring to my life, I have to surrender. Now, there are two groups of people out here. There's two groups of people I'm talking to. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. And in Colossians 3.10, it says, it's in the middle of a sentence, it says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You see, there's two groups of people. Now, big Greek word here, anthropos. Anthropos is a word. Some of you might have heard something with anthropos, right? Anything? Anthropology. Do you know what anthropology is? Study of humankind, people type stuff, right? Study of man or woman, you know, gender equality. It's going to be 2019. Got to be politically correct. Yeah. 
It's the study of us. It's the study of humanity. This word, new self, right there, uh, right there. New self, and have put on the new anthropos, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of his creator. And back in 2 Corinthians, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new anthropos. The old anthropos of living, or the old way of living, the old anthropos has disappeared, and a new way of living has come into existence. I'm speaking to two groups of people, and no racism intended. There are two humanities. There's the old, and there is new. We're talking about new year, new you, fresh start. New. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is the firstborn of a new creation. It's the first of a new humanity, a saved humanity. God is recreating us. So you're either a part of the old or you're a part of the new. If you're part of the old and you have no idea what I'm talking about, just you're probably part of the old. You haven't surrendered to Christ. He is not your Lord and Savior. He's not your master. And all these words that I'm saying sound really negative. You know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's my master. The things he has me do are so much easier than what the world would have me do, even though they don't look like it. Even though they don't look like it. I mean, I keep saying these negative words of surrender and master and commander, and you're all hearing like a crack of a whip. I'm hearing a gentle shepherd. Surrender to Christ is the best decision you'll ever make. We have a baptistry up here. If you haven't been baptized, what are you waiting for? You, you know, the, the Ethiopian, the, well, the treasurer of Candace of Ethiopia, I'm sure he'd be offended if we kept calling him the eunuch. Um, he saw water and said, what am I waiting for? I need to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. He didn't wait. He, he jumped in. If you're not baptized, if you haven't surrendered to Christ, pull somebody aside this morning and say, I want that. I want that life. I want to be a part of new humanity. Whatever that is Mike's talking about, we'll gladly sit down and explain that because that's a that's a deep conversation. Me and Alan chewed on that for what, like three months a couple years ago? Just looking and looking. I'm like, there's so much there. And I'm still studying it out. It's it's wonderful. You know, God gives you little presents when you read his word. And you, you oh, look at that, it's shiny. Right, Zach? Remember the, those conversations? If you haven't surrendered to Christ in the waters of baptism, start your journey. Start the new year with a new you. There's another group of people out here I'm talking to. You're part of the new anthropos. You're this new humanity. (laughs) You're not done surrendering. (laughs) You will never be done surrendering. And like I told you about me, when I fail in that, all right. (sighs) <sighs> there was a term we had when our daughters were babies and they filled their diaper so much that it came out. I called it crapping up the back. 
Those of you who have small children know what I'm talking about. That first moment you pick up your screaming child in the dark and you've grabbed their head and your hand, it goes, what is that? Why is it on your head? How did you have that much in you? You're like six pounds. God looks at me that way. When I don't surrender, I crap up my back. I know. This is going to be on Facebook like in 30 seconds if it's not already. But this is how my brain works. You're getting to see the the gears turning, okay? If I don't surrender to Christ, that's what happens in my life. You know, and and there are times this week that crapped up the back. And you guys are laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. You all know what I'm talking about. This is a daily thing. We have to surrender daily. Pick up our cross and surrender to Him. As we start this new year, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be so great to have that newness in our life? To have that fresh start? We could all have that. You could have been away from Christ for so long. You could have walked away from Him. You know the best thing about God? Is He's the worst hide-and-go-seek player ever. He's waiting for you. If you haven't surrendered to Him, He's waiting for you. He is a loving Father, a great Christ. He is your Lord and Savior. And He wants a relationship with you. He desires that relationship with you. This year, you can start off so good. I saw a thing at 11.59.59 on New Year's Eve. Raise your left leg so that you can start the year on the right foot. I, I started with a dad joke. I'm ending with a dad joke. It's great. But in all seriousness, the right foot is surrendering to Him. It's laying your life down at the cross so He can show you the best way to live. There's a communication card in your bulletin. We don't have an altar call. We don't make you come forward and air out your grievances in front of everybody. You can make that decision right there where you're at. There's a space to fill out some prayer requests. There's a space to fill out needs. God wants you in His family. He wants to bless you that way. If you need something, the prayer team will pray over it. It's not going to go all over the church. It's just going to stick right with the prayer team. But if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ and you want to pull somebody aside, it doesn't have to be me. It probably shouldn't be me. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a relationship with everybody in this room. Pull somebody aside you have a relationship with. Say, hey, I want that newness. I want that fresh start. We're going to pass the baskets after the second song. So you have time to write out your prayer request. The baskets are for offering and the communication card. If you're a guest with us this morning, don't put any money in the basket. We did not ask you to come here to get something from you. I pray that you have received something this morning. I pray that through my fumbling and mumbling, God has spoken to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for new beginnings. Thank you so much for fresh starts. Thank you so much for sending your son to this world so that we might have that opportunity. It was a huge sacrifice. I, I don't know. I don't understand how you can do that. 
You are amazing. I pray for the people here. I pray we can all surrender to You. I pray we can all lay our lives down for You. I pray we can all seek You first and that we can serve You. But really, God, I, I want everybody here to be in Your kingdom so we can all celebrate our relationship with You. I love You, Father. In Your name I pray. Amen.